We are finishing up our series um, where we've talked about our strategy, and so we've talked about our vision, uh, we've talked about our mission, and our mission is what again? Making disciples together every day, right? And then our vision is what? So Travis is going to lead the charge, and so everybody's going to say it together with Travis. Exactly, right? This is our mission, and this is our vision, and this is what we're called to do as a church. And then we talked about, we have been talking about, this is our strategy. This is how we're going to accomplish this mission and this vision, and this is this gather, um, go, grow, and give. And we see that right up there, the four Gs, a very simple strategy. And what I want us to understand, and I heard this said at another place, and I resonate with this, is that we need to understand that this is not... Uh, just a particular strategy for Finding Life Church or for any other church that, um, that um, follows this. But it's, this is something that we understand and we believe um, as elders that I believe and as a church hopefully that we'll begin to believe that really that all human beings were created by God to be in community uh, with each other. That we were made to be in community with each other. And so this is that gather point. That by nature, we were also sent by God to bear witness to who God is. And this is that go part. Um, that all of humanity, right, was created in the image of God. And then therefore, all of humanity was made to bear his image, to be a witness to who God is. And so we, we believe that when we were created, that all of humanity was made to be in community with each other, this gather part, that all of us were made to bear witness to, to God, um, to who he is, and that's that go part. And then, um, then fundamentally, as humans, we were created to grow, that, that no one should be in this kind of static state, that this non-dynamic being, that we were made to to continually grow in our life. We can see that physically, but not only that, but mentally, and then um, even in our life spiritually. And so we should all be seeking, right, to grow and to get better, to get better no matter what that looks like. And this is essential to our humanness. And then what we're going to talk about this morning is this area of, of the word give. And that is essential as a human as that we talk about it, it's not just something that um, we Christians ought to do or even a practice that if you want to become um, a partner at Finding Life Church, that's something that um, we expect. But literally, we believe that, that all humans were made to be givers, that we were all made to be generous in our time, talents, and treasure. And this is the economy that God created was that God would bless his people, that God would bless his people, and then his people would then be um, conduits, right, for that blessing, and then they would then go out and bless the rest of the people that they're interacting with. And so what we're doing as a church is we're calling us to the very thing that I believe that God created humanity for, this idea of gathering, being in community, this idea of bearing witness to who God is, the go part, being on mission, 
this idea that we're not created to be people that just um, are static, they're stagnant, but we are created to grow. And not only that, but we're created to give, that we're created because God has blessed us. Then from that, we're to be conduits of that for other people to be a blessing to them. So we're a people who gather, we're a people who bear witness to who he is, we're a people who give of themselves, and we're a people who grow. We're going to look at a passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 7, and then we're going to finish the remaining part of that chapter and look at our chapter 9 as well. Before we get into that, I want us to read together a passage in Philippians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, would you open that up to the book of Philippians in the New Testament? And there's chapter 2, and I'm just going to read um, part of that, because I believe that this is the basis for what we're going to talk about this morning. Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to read it from the NIV version. Therefore, if any of you, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man." He humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when we think about this idea of give, that this, what we just read, is going to um, be the foundation for, for why we are expected and able to do um, what he's asking us to do. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And in this letter, Paul um, is... I'm talking about generosity, and it's an encouragement to generosity to the church that he's writing. And in verse 1, he says this, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So he's talking about the church in Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, 
So he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in, a, in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. So we see in this first seven verses that Paul is laying out basically his premise for this idea of generosity. And he's not making an argument for tithing, which we see in the Old Testament. So the Bible is split into two Testaments, right? The Old Testament and then the New Testament where um, Jesus says, I'm giving you a new covenant. And, and he says what, um, in the Old Testament, they had this idea of tithing where 10% of what you made, your, your crops, you know, your livestock and all of that financially that was to be given to the temple, to the priest, to the church, to continue the work as kind of a first fruits thing. In the New Testament, um, so he's not really given an argument for the continuation of that tithe. It's just kind of assumed, or it's not kind of, it is assumed. Paul is assuming that as he's writing to this church. And he's illustrating that in verse 5 um, for the primary reason that he is writing because there's a church that's in need. And so it's just assumed that this tithing principle is being followed. And, um, and then he illustrates that in verse 5. And so here is the baseline that really Paul is working on that is this proportional giving that the best and the first would go to God and, and then you would live from the rest of that. Now, I understand when we say that, that sometimes we get, um, we struggle with that because we want to argue with the church or we want to argue with who's ever speaking on that subject, which is why a lot of pastors don't speak on this because they don't want to have the headache of it. But this is just scripture. You can argue with me all you want, but this is what God's word says. And so you need to take it up with him. But what he says is that there's a proportional giving that needs to happen. That's the baseline. It's that first fruits. Um, it's the first and the best that you give back to God for the work of the ministry. And, and we understand that this is a very real struggle, that, that um, whatever stage you're at in life, there's just a lot of situations. You know, our budget may be so tight that I just can't do that. And we all understand that. God understands that. He um, recognizes, he knows your situation in, in all of that. But 10% is 10%, right? And it's designed to be um, that, whether you make 10000 or whether you make 200000 It's going to be, you know, in proportion, it's going to feel like I, I can't do it. And for some of us, um, we just really struggle with that. It's really hard. And I just want to recognize that this morning when we talk about that. Um, because we're going to, I know this kind of a message, this thing that we're talking about, because we're going to, Scripture is going to lay out some, some very hard truth for you and I, and we're going to have to wrestle with that. And that's what community is all about. That's what this gather, that's what missional communities, that's what DNA groups are for is to wrestle with this. Why am I struggling with this? How can I grow in that? And we're going to talk about that. I want to read to you 
um, a quote from C.S. Lewis that talks about this. He says, I do not believe that one can settle how much we ought to give. I am afraid the only safe rule is to give more that we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on our comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we are probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say that they are too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures excludes them. That's quite the statement, right? I don't know <laughs> what's going on in your head right now or what's, what kind of wrestling you're going on in your heart, but that's quite the statement. And really what Paul is saying, what Jesus is saying in the New Testament is that this idea of sacrificial generosity. And we're called to be generous people, but we're not only called to be generous people, but we're called to be sacrificial. Remember we talked about how that um, in our community, in our gathering, that in our, in our missional communities, when we go out and go in our DNA groups, that, that love is to be a part of everything that we do, right? That the world is going to know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. And we talked about how we experience love in many different ways, don't we? People who don't know Christ are able to be generous, are able to show love and that kind of thing. So how are we going to differentiate ourselves from that right there I mean, does our generosity, does our love look any different than those who don't know Christ, that are non-disciples? And so what needs to happen is there needs to be this supernatural element to this love that we share, this generosity that we give, this sacrificial generosity that is a part of our life. And that's what is going on in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it was said, here is 10%. In the New Testament, it says, I want your heart. And I want your heart to dictate what you give of your time, of your talents, and of your treasure. And it's a call to generosity, and it's a call to sacrifice. And so what is that for you and I? Each one of us needs to answer that question. If we are a follower of Christ, if we said yes to him who gave the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me, and God was generous and is generous, and Jesus demonstrated that generosity, and he demonstrated obedience, and he demonstrated sacrifice, then what is that for you and I? What does that true sacrificial generosity look like for you and I? And I'm guessing that if we're really, truly, as I think about it in my life, that there's things that we're probably going to need to say no to that I really, really want. Because I believe, because my wife and I believe, and we value something else. 
Scripture is very clear. It's very clear when it points straight to your heart that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. Whether it's concerning money, whether it's concerning time, whether it's concerning your talents, it doesn't matter the area. Is that you can pretty much gauge your heart if you take a look at those three things. You can gauge where I am not believing. We talked about it's really at the core of all of this. It's really a gospel issue. What am I not believing about who God is that prevents me from living an open-handed life? What is it about my identity that prevents me from living a life of generosity, of being sacrificial with that? What is it about what Jesus did on the cross, the way he lived his life that I am choosing not to believe right now that prevents me from doing that? In verse 7 in 2 Corinthians 8, he says, but as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness and in, in our love for you, see that you also excel in this act of grace also. And so what we begin to see is that this idea of giving, this idea of generosity with our time, talents, and treasure is not something that we get to tack on to our life. It's not just a plus thing. It is an all-of-life thing. It's not just an extra. It's not just an add-on. Right? Paul expected them, just as I grow in the idea of kindness, just as I grow in my faith with my Heavenly Father, just as I grow in grace and all of that, he says, I want you also to grow in this idea of being generous, being sacrificial in your giving of your time, talents, and your treasure. And so the same way that you pursue godliness and the same way that you pursue the fruit of the Spirit, I want you to pursue this idea of being generous. We also see in that section where there is this, um, we see a couple of things about that church. That there was um, this extreme poverty that they were a part of. That was a part of their economy. They were very, very poor people. Extreme poverty. Not only that, but there was some kind of severe affliction that was upon them. So we take this extreme poverty that they were a part of, add to it this some kind of severe affliction that was on them all the time. And then it says they had... Um, this joy that was a part of their life. And so we see um, extreme poverty, severe affliction, plus joy. And what did it equal? What did it equal? It resulted in this incredible generosity, this world-renowned generosity, even to the point that we, you and I, that so many thousands of years later, are reading about it right now, that this world-renowned generosity that they had and the only way that this kind of equation can work is because of grace. Right? And only God's kingdom does this work. Where extreme poverty, where um, the severe affliction, and then coupled with joy, and this joy comes from Jesus Christ, knowing Christ in my life. 
But when you said yes to him, when you said yes to his life and you saw and you read about his being obedient to death and then he was buried and then he conquered death and it was rose again and he rose again and is seated at the right hand of God and he was seen by all those disciples and people. And that's what we base right this on. And we said yes to him as our savior that our sins, past, present, and future, have been forgiven. And everything that I knew before I knew Christ, I was living, and it was always a temporary joy, a temporary fix, and it always kept going, cycling back and cycling back and cycling back. And now that I know Christ, I'm treasuring him above all things, and now I have this hope that can't be explained Now I have this joy that can't be explained, and it's in my life. And that makes the difference, right, when it comes to extreme, these circumstances that we see in the Macedonian church. And it's only in the kingdom of God that this kind of equation works, because from the world's perspective, it doesn't make sense. It requires some kind of supernatural thing to make it work. And that is Jesus Christ and God. These things that Paul um, wrote about to the Macedonian churches is rooted in four things, and we see that in the remaining part of chapter 8 and chapter 9. And the first, as we've talked about it a fair amount already, is God's gospel. Right, this idea of sacrifice, this idea of generosity is core to the gospel message. It's core to what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Um, and we see that in verse 9. Look at it. Turn to your Bibles. I want you to physically read this and see this um, in verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. I mean, that is a powerful, powerful verse. So that what he did, he did so that you might Walk in his ways and read about how he lived his life. Read about the obedience that he went to and the love that he had for you and I. And he says, that's how I want you to walk in your life if you've said yes to me and you're my son and you're my daughter, that I have poured out blessing, right, on your life, and in the very same way that I have done that to you, and you have experienced that, I want you to pour out to other people. If you're going to be on Team Jesus, then that's what it means to be on his team. Your commitment to the gospel is matched by your willingness to walk out the gospel in your life. And so how is obedience, how is sacrifice 
working out for you. When we think about that, it's not the mark, but it's definitely a mark to help us, uh, um, I guess, identify where we're at with Jesus in our walk with him. Is my gospel genuine? Is what I really believe genuine? So then how am I living that out by being obedient, by being generous, by being sacrificial? How am I aligning myself with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in my life? How am I doing that with other people? So it's God's gospel. The second part that it's rooted in is God's people, verses 13 through 15. And I'm just going to read this because this is probably going to make, if any of this before wasn't uncomfortable, this is going to make some of us a lot of bit uncomfortable for various different reasons. So let's read it. Again, this is not Kevin's words. This is scripture here. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you, and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. I mean, I don't know about you, but does that, does that make you feel just a bit uncomfortable? When you read that, there's probably some things that, are, that you're having to wrestle with right now. What, what is Paul meaning by that? What is God meaning by that? What is this line of logic that he's using with this church that he's writing to. I mean, it feels a little bit like something, and we're just not quite sure what to do with that. And maybe it's, and I, and I heard this, um, these arguments, and so I'm just going to share with you them um, verbatim. It says, but why is that maybe in your life? Is it because we have worked too hard for our money? This is my money. I earned it. Is it because those who don't work hard or is it because those who don't is because of their own bad choices? Is it because we're more committed to to free market principles than to the gospel itself? Is it because we believe we deserve what we have? Is it because we give ourselves credit for all of our success and others blame for all of their failures. Here's what I believe. Here's what I believe our elders believe. And what we see in scripture is that every person was made in the image of God. Every person matters. Every person was made in the image of God. And if we lose that foundation, if we lose that premise, then what will begin to happen is we'll begin to develop this hierarchy in our life of different people, no matter what it might be. We will begin to classify them, begin to put them in this hierarchy, whatever it is, because of different choices, and we begin to lose the very foundation, the very premise of that every person was made 
in the image of God. And this idea, and I'm having to wrestle with this, that I don't deserve what I have more than anyone else. This is really at the center of what this is. So we've had God's gospel, and now we have God's people, and we have to wrestle with that. We have to wrestle with this idea of do I really believe at the foundation, at the core of who I am, that this thing in 1 Corinthians 4, 7 that we talk about in 1 John 3 where it says, this is how we know um, that we are his disciples is how we love. And if we see a brother in need or if we see someone in need and we don't supply, then, then something's not right. It's a heart issue. And something's not making a connection there. 2 Corinthians 9, 3-6. It's God's gospel, it's God's people, it's God's economy. God's kingdom, his kingdom always starts with generosity. And this is the way it's supposed to work. There is an inherent otherness to Christianity. We move from me, right? We move from that selfishness, we move to we, that otherness. And then lastly is this idea of God's glory. And we see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're just going to fast track that. For some of us, the reason why that you and I aren't generous is because we haven't come to a place of humility to acknowledge all the ways that God has blessed you, has blessed me. And when we begin to understand and take that humility standpoint and we begin to say, you know what, I understand, God, that you are the giver of all things, that you created me, that you gave me my brain, you gave me my talents, you gave me my abilities. And this is how you blessed me. And, and I can't take credit for it anymore. And when that begins to happen, then I begin to change. And I begin to live an open-handed life. And I begin to say, and my heart then begins to dictate, all right, God, how much do I need to give? And I'm not standing up here saying a certain percentage. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying, here, these are the things that, it's a heart issue. And so from that, how can you be generous? How can you be sacrificial? In your humility, understanding that God owns it all. We are stewards. We're managing this. Now, how can I be generous? How can I be sacrificial? Why? I'm going to bring you all the way back to Philippians chapter 2 because Jesus Christ did it for us. He was the ultimate example. Not only that, but this is our mission, right? Making disciples together every day. This is our vision, seeing every life transformed by the love of Jesus. And we can't do that unless this gift part is weave through all of that, the gather, go, grow. I mean, why do I need to be, I mean, why does it matter how I use my time? Why does it matter how I use my money? Why is it, what does it matter how I use my talents? And I would say it matters because we are what are called, and I heard this the other day, we are what's called display people. We are on display to the world as sons, as daughters of God. 
and people are looking at us and saying, all right, you're saying that Jesus is a part of your life. You're saying that you have been transformed. Now, I don't know if I see your life as any different than anybody else's. This is not natural. This is something that's a growth thing. And really, the big idea for this morning is this. Is that I have today, how can you and I grow in this idea of being generous? And not only being generous, but being generous sacrificially. And not only in our finances, but in our talents. And not only that, but in our time. Let's stand with me, and I'm going to pray before we head into this last song. Heavenly Father, um, Anytime we talk about this, it's uncomfortable, God, because it, I believe um, it hits at the core of who we are because it speaks to, um, and it's not something that you're wanting to shame us or guilt us in, God. It's just a barometer of where my heart is, and so that is always uncomfortable, Father. And so help us in that. Re- remove the shame, remove the guilt, God, and help us to, to be people that are saying, all right, this is where my heart's at, so I want to grow in that. And help us to grow in that, God. Help us to grow and to be people that are generous, to be people that are sacrificial in our generosity so that, Father, people will see in us, some, see in us something different so that they will want to know what is going on. God, I pray that for my wife's life. I pray that for my life, for my kids and their husbands, God. I pray that for Jan and I when we're at Vala's, that people will see something different, Father, and will want to know what that is. And I pray that for all of us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name.